0: We're celebrating Thanksgiving this coming Thursday, and in doing so, we're looking at seven reasons to be thankful. Join us for Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse, coming up next. Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. This is Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. Greetings and welcome to our program. We're looking at Psalm 103, verses 6 through 18, and seven reasons to be thankful. As we celebrate Thanksgiving this coming Thursday, it's a delight to take a look at some of the things that we can truly be thankful for. For instance, he tempers his wrath towards us, he forgives all of our sins, he understands our weaknesses, and he remembers that we are dust, along with many others. That's what we're focusing on today, so please join us for this special Thanksgiving edition of Graceful Truth. Once again now, our teacher and pastor. Here's Pastor Steve Converse.
1: Well, secondly, not only does God Show mercy to those who don't deserve it. Thirdly, in other words, he says, it says there he tempers his wrath in verse 9 and 10. Look at what it says. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. Verse 10, he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. You ever know anybody that loves to argue? Don't raise your hand, dear. Because <laughs> she knows me. That's what, what I'm implying there. But sometimes, you know, you run into people who just love to keep this quarrel kind of going. They're just so, so angry. I want to tell you that God is not like that. Our God is not like that at all. It says that he is willing to end the quarrel and welcome us back home. Just end it. Sometimes the real problem is that we want to keep fighting him. Have you ever seen a little? Maybe a, a teenager or even younger, sometimes they, when they get into their temper tantrum phase and they start throwing a temper tantrum and the parent has to physically grab them because they're almost going to either harm somebody or harm themselves. And you see the parent grabbing them and they're still fighting and fighting. And finally, they just, the parent forcefully almost wraps their arms around that child just holds them close. And finally, the kid just kind of turns like butter in their hand. They finally realize, okay, stop fighting. That's what God wants. He tempers his wrath against us. But sometimes we keep fighting. We, you know, we, we want to keep it going. See, he's more ready to forgive than we even need to be forgiven. You know, when, he, when we forget to pray, it's not like the food disappears from the plate, right? He continues to feed us. When we forget to give thanks, we're still able to go to bed and lay our head on a pillow and get a restful night's sleep. When our soul becomes idle in sin, he sends and has sent the Holy Spirit within us to convict us of that sin. When we refuse to give, <laughs> he just keeps on giving. When we fall, he lifts us up. When we disappoint ourselves and others, he still calls us his children. You know, he even blesses those who don't believe in him. There's a guy by the name of Christopher Hitchens. And he wrote a book called, God is Not Great. How Religion Poisons Everything. And it sells a bunch of copies. This guy is clever. He's witty. He's witty. He's a gifted wordsmith, brilliant, very widely read, quick with the comeback, and completely committed to debunking religion of every type. Even more committed to the concept of God, in that it's simply just not necessary. But when you stop and you see the mercy of God, instead of crushing somebody like this, like an empty eggshell, which you could easily do, it's God, the Lord continues to provide for this individual, continues to give him health, love, life. See, it's the long-suffering of God that allows this author to even deny him in the first place. Why would God show so much kindness, so much love to someone who's utterly dedicated on eradicating any kind of God's influence on the world whatsoever? I mean, when you stop and you think about it, you know, sometimes, why wouldn't God just wipe out all the atheists? Why wouldn't God just wipe out all the The bad people. The Bible says that God withholds punishment to his enemies. And that too is evidence of his mercy. In in Romans 2 verse 4. We sing a song that goes like this. But it talks about God's kindness. And it's God's kindness that leads us towards repentance. It's not the wrath of God or the anger of God that invites us to him. It's his kindness. It's his forgiveness. It's his grace. And that's what sometimes it's hard for people to understand. You tell them about the free gift of salvation through Christ and that their sins can be literally wiped out. And they say, wait a minute, wait, well, okay, nothing's free. And it's hard for them to really understand that. They want to know what the little, you know, fine print is. What, what I got to give everything to the church or what, what are you talking about? No, it's very simple. I mean, Jesus says, you know what, when you come to me with everything, not that he needs anything from us, But he wants your heart. He wants your soul. He wants you to follow him and not your own agenda, your own self. And God, when you do that, tempers his wrath. Fourth thing here, quickly, verse 11 and 12, this is where it gets exciting. He says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. I mean, I think it's kind of neat that God forgives all of our sins. Not some of them, not one of them, not two of them. He forgives all of them through Christ. When you stop and you consider the greatness of God. I mean, we're talking about, you know, God forgiving little old me. Consider the greatness of God. I mean, when you stop and you think of science, you think of uh, astronomers, and they tell us that the farthest known light source from the earth is 10 billion light years away. That means that light starting from that source, a quasar, would take 10 billion years traveling at the speed of light to arrive at earth. I mean, that's just amazing to me. By By contrast, the nearest star is only four light years away from us. That's four years traveling at the light speed of light. It's one hundred eighty-six thousand miles per second. <laughs> little fast. Light from the sun reaches the Earth in a little over eight minutes. So even the nearest star, in a vast, is is a vast distance from the Earth, and and using ion drive propulsion, you could reach the nearest star in a modern spaceship in only 81,000 years. (laughs) See, I mean, you can look at this any way you want, but you're really left with some inescapable realities and truths. First of all, that we live on a tiny corner of the universe. And second, the universe is bigger than we can even comprehend it to be. They're always discovering new things. And I want you to understand this morning, but God's love is greater. It's vaster, it's larger, it's deeper, it's longer, it's broader. It's bigger in all dimensions than the universe itself. Go as far as you want to in your little spaceship as fast as you want to. And when you've gone as far as you can go, you look up and you smile and God's love is still there. You never reach the end of it. Well, also, I want you to consider the magnitude of God's love. The magnitude of God's love. Suppose you want to go east until you finally reach the west. I mean, that's what it's saying, right? He removed it as far as the east is from the west, so that's got to be a a distance of something. So say you take off from the east coast in a hot air balloon. You land in Lisbon, you get in a Honda Civic, and you drive across Europe until you come to Bulgaria. Then you hop on a freighter that takes you through the Black Sea, the Aegean Sea, and the Mediterranean Sea, the Suez Canal, the Red Sea, and on the Gulf of Aden, where you narrowly escape getting caught by the pirates. You go into the Indian Ocean, where you finally put ashore in Sri, Sri Lanka. From there, you catch a flight to Singapore and then down to Australia. There, you hitchhike across the outback, eventually arriving in Sydney, where you join a passenger ship heading for Easter Island. Then you fly to Santiago, Chile, where you rent a beat-up Jeep and start driving north. It's a long way, but eventually you make it all the way to Nome, Alaska, where you hire a dog sled team. So you can run the Iditarod race in reverse, ending up in an Anchorage. You hop on a cruise ship to Vancouver, British Columbia. From there, you take the Trans-Canadian Railway, ending up in Halifax, Nova Scotia. From there, you buy a high-end road bike, start pedaling through New Brunswick, Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, and Massachusetts, Rhode Island, New York. New Jersey and Delaware. Finally, you reach back to where you started on the East Coast. I mean, besides running around the globe, which would be kind of cool to do, what have you proved? Among other things, you proved that no matter how far east you go, you never find the West. That's how far God has removed our sins from us. Never the two should meet. The farther east you go, the farther you are from the West. See, that's the magnitude of God's love. And here's the the great news for all of us sinners in the world, is when, when God forgives us, He removes our sin. He lifts us up. He takes those sins away. And He puts them as far from us as we could never even find them if we searched for them for thousands of years. They're gone Forever. Because of Christ's work on the cross, our sins can never come back to haunt us again. The good news, even Satan can't bring them back. I read one sermon this last week. Verses 8, 9, 10, and 11. His points were this. First of all, verse 8 it says, God is slow to anger. That means God has a long fuse. Verse 9 says he does not harbor his anger forever that means he's got a short memory third point in verse 10 says he does not treat us according to our sins as we deserve that means god's got a thick skin and then verses 11 and 12 it says that as far as he has removed our sins. so great is his love it means he's got a great heart a long fuse a short memory a thick skin and a great heart you know i'm glad that god's on our side I'm glad that we can be blessed with his forgiveness. Fifthly, he understands our weaknesses. Verse 13, it says, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. You may be sitting here today and say, Well, you don't know my dad. <laughs> my dad knew nothing of compassion. So maybe you're here this morning, and you're saying, Yeah, fatherhood and compassion don't go hand in hand with me. But see, that's the difference. God is a compassionate God. And it says that he is compassionate to those who fear him. And I, maybe if you don't have children, you, it's hard to understand that verse. But if you've got kids, you know exactly what that verse is saying. Sometimes I think that you just have to remember that, you know, as imperfect as we are as earthly fathers, God is not an earthly father. He's a perfect father. When an earthly father has done his job well, he makes it easy for his children to believe in their heavenly father. So, you know, we want to stop and we want to understand that we serve a God who knows our weaknesses. And you know what? He loves us anyway. He loves us anyway. He understands our weaknesses. A great physician who knows our weakness and understands our fears. And then he, when we can't go on any further in life, he takes us and he carries us on his back. That's the God we serve. We should be thankful for that. Sixthly, he remembers that we are but dust. Remember when I said there are some things that God remembers that we forget? This is one of them, I think. He remembers that we are but dust. Look at verse 14 and 16. It says, as he knows how we are formed, he remembers that we are dust. As for a man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like the flower of a field. The wind blows over it, and it's gone. And it's place remembers it no more i mean that's kind of putting it right down where the rubber meets the road the idea that you know what our life we have all these plans we have all these goals we have all this big agenda that we're carrying out in our little you know plot of earth here on the earth and we forget that you know what this is all temporary this is not going to last we're but dust our days are like the grass flourishes like a flower of the field and then the wind blows over it and it's gone and even the place where it was doesn't even remember it back east this time of year it's usually beautiful with the september october with the fall foliage just incredible i'm colorblind and i can see it i just love it but their color literally comes from their death you wouldn't have the beauty if the leaf didn't die i mean who remembers the leaf nobody not even the tree. The tree doesn't remember it. One by one they fall to the ground and they're just turned into topsoil over a period of time. But for a small portion of the time they're, they're creating a beautiful environment. A beautiful picture. We need to remember that nothing lasts forever. That this, this, this land soon will be gone. Your life soon will be over. That's just the nature of life itself. And you can try as hard as you want, for as long as you want, to try to extend your life. But you know what? The Bible says that your days are appointed. God knows them. Nobody else knows them. I kind of like that idea. I wouldn't want to know when I'm going to die. Would you? Next Tuesday, 9 o'clock, boom, it's going to be over, Steve, so you better get ready. Man, can you imagine? You couldn't even enjoy anything. You'd be going nuts, trying to get everything in order, and all figuring out, you know, it, it would not be a good situation. We don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. Our life is but a vapor, the Bible says. Here one moment, gone the next. See, that's why our hope is not in man. Our hope is not in this society. Our hope is not in our government or in our politics or anything like that. Our hope is in an everlasting God that, that transcends death, right? I mean, we, we look forward to heaven. But you know what? Over a period of time, gravity does its work, and you begin to ache. You begin to have pains, You begin to you know, feel things you never felt before. And that's just part of the process of life. There was a sign billboard alongside of a cemetery on a freeway and it said this, slow down, we'll save a place for you. (laughs) Because it was kind of a speeding zone there and I thought, wow, okay. You know, that's true though. I mean, there's going to be people that are part of our body this year that are going to be in glory next year. That's just the way it is. There's nothing you can do about it. Our hope is not in man... Because man can't do anything about it. Our hope is in an everlasting God. Our hope is not in the stock market. Hopefully that'll turn around. No, all that stuff is going to go bye-bye. All that stuff is, you know, you're not going to pull anything when you go to glory. There's not going to be a trailer. You're not going to have all your goodies packed away. It's not going to happen. They're going to be left here. Gone. And you'll be in the presence, if you know the Lord, in in the presence of, of the Lord Almighty. Well, the last thing, not only are we but dust, but it also says there that he links us with eternity by linking us with himself. Look at what it says in verse 17 and 18. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. And then it says this, on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's childrens, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. I mean, there's nothing we can do about our, our bodies becoming more frail and all those things. I mean, we basically come stamped from the creator, you know, fragile, handle with care. I mean, we are. But eventually, we're not going to be here anymore. Vitamins and exercise and clean living and all those things can maybe slow down the process. Maybe positive thinking can help you improve your mood, but in the end, it's going to be ashes to ashes, dust to dust. That's what happens. That may not be very encouraging, but you know what it is if you if you're in the Lord, If you've had your sins forgiven, if you know where you're going, if you know that when you leave this earth, you're going to be transformed and you're going to be ushered into the presence of God Almighty. See, Psalm 103 offers us comfort because it gives us those reasons to be thankful to the Lord. Notice there in verse 17 that but. You know, that's that's such an important thing. But the steadfast love of the Lord. Yeah, we're not going to be here forever. Our life is but a vapor, but... That changes everything. That one word offers an eternal contrast between the fading flower and the everlasting God. Where do you want to be? What side do you want to be on? That word but really stands between this life and the next. And our hope should be in an everlasting God. A a God whose tender mercy never stops. His unfailing love is boundless. His, His grace continues. Someone said that Life without Christ is a hopeless end, but life with Christ is an endless hope. I mean, what are you going to leave your kids? Vast estate, large inheritance, big insurance settlement, what? That's how we think. I hope that your mind goes beyond that. I hope that you pray that your children will come to the cross of Christ, that they'll experience the mercy of God. Psalm 103 basically is telling us this, that we're richer than we think, we're more blessed than we know, and we have more than we even realize. And yet, we're still these frail, mortal sinners that are rich in the mercy of God. And we have that mercy because we found it in the cross of Christ. A story about Billy Graham, in one of his sermons, he told a story about a patrolman on night duty in a town in northern England. And as he walked the streets, he heard this quivering sob Shining his flashlight into the darkness, he saw a little boy in the shadows sitting on the doorstep and tears were just running down his cheeks. And the child said, I'm lost, please take me home. And the policeman began naming street after street, trying to get a fix, trying to help the boy remember where he lived. He named the shops and the hotels in the area, but the little boy just didn't have a clue. Then he remembered that at the center of town, there was a church with a large white cross. It towered above the rest of the city. And the policeman took the little boy and he pointed to the cross. And he said, do you live anywhere near that place? And the little boy's face immediately brightened up. He said, yes, sir, take me to the cross and I can find my way home. See, all that we believe, all that we have, all that we hope for is found in the cross of Christ. You come to the cross and you will find your way home. Are you weak? So am I. (laughs) Are you needy? So am I. Are you guilty? So am I. Are you frail, guilty? Are you like dust? See, we're all the same. And God says to his weak, needy, guilty, frail, dusty children, you know what, I know you better than you know yourselves. I know you through and through. And you know what, I love you anyway. I love you despite yourself. I want you to come to me. I want you to rest in me. I want you to make me your rock. I want you to make me your foundation. I want you to live your life for me. And you'll experience my forgiveness. You'll experience my mercy. You'll experience my grace. Because God's mercy through Christ is far more than enough for all of us to experience. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And Lord, we pray that as we... Celebrate Thanksgiving this next week with relatives and friends. If we're traveling, I pray your traveling mercies upon us that you'd take us to where we're going and back safely. Pray you'd guard us as we're out and about against getting sick. Help us to be healthy for this season. Lord, we pray for those who, in our body who can't make it out on a regular basis on Sundays and maybe they're in a care facility or retirement home or maybe they just are sick and, and can't make it out, Lord, we pray that you would comfort their hearts, that you'd be gracious to them. Lord, I pray for, that, for all of us here this morning, that we will come to that crossroad, that we will understand that when we come to the cross, it's easy to find our way from there. But that's the first step. So, Lord, we pray for each heart that's represented here this morning. You know what's in each heart. We don't. But, Lord, I pray that you would make clear to them your forgiveness and your love and extend your grace to them that you would grant them repentance. Help us as believers to never forget this lost and dying world we're living in and the need to go out and to share the good news of the gospel with those who've yet to hear. Father, I pray you'd bless this next week as we celebrate with family and friends. And we thank you for your goodness to us and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Well, it's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal his grace to your hearts through the teaching of his word each week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come out and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. And we offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children through grade five. If you'd like to encourage us here at the Graceful Truth program, give us a call at the Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, 650-366-9923. Or visit our website, gracefultruth.org. And now, once again,
1: here's Pastor Steve Converse. Thanks, Andy. Most people are familiar with American Pastor Zaid Abedini, who is being held in an Iranian prison due to his faith in Christ. We will be hosting Pastor Zaid's wife, Nagme, on Saturday, November 16th at 10 a.m. here at Grace Bible Church, Redwood City. She will be sharing her testimony of how her and her children are getting through this tremendous ordeal and how God continues to work in spite of her husband's persecution. Coming to Grace Bible Church, Redwood City on Saturday, November 16th at 10 a.m., Nagma Abedini to share her testimony. We'll also be offering a free continental breakfast at 9 a.m. for those interested in arriving early. Visit us on the web for more info, Online.
0: Well, thank you, Steve. And again, friend, we would love to hear from you. Again, the ways you can contact us, we have a couple, three. First, our phone number, 650-366-9923. Again, 650-366-9923. As always, you're welcome to write to us at Graceful Truth, 2225 Euclid Avenue. That's here in Redwood City. And our zip code is 94061 Of course, everything that Pastor Steve mentioned a moment ago can be found on our website, gracefultruth.org. Again, you can get to us at gracefultruth.org. And when you stop by our website, drop us an email. Let us know you paid us a visit. Questions, comments, prayer requests, we'd love to hear from you. So take a moment and write when you stop by gracefultruth.org or simply call us at 650-366-9923. Our thanks to you for joining us today, and until next week at this same time, God bless.